Welcome to a brand new episode of The Talk. In this episode, I traveled to Helsinki to meet with Rudy Skogman, the co-founder and CEO of a startup called Block. Block is a real estate agency that leverages technology to make the sale of your apartment more efficient. Much more efficient. In only two years, Block has become one of the largest real estate agencies in Finland, with a mere three agents selling thousands of apartments. Block is just now planning their Nordic expansion, and you shouldn't be surprised if the next time you sell your apartment, it will be through Block. In this episode, we talk about the real estate industry, entrepreneurial advice, dealing with stress, and how the Nordics could work better together. I loved meeting Rudy, and I think you just might as well. So here is Rudy Skogman. So Rudy Skogman, I'm so happy you're here. Oh, actually, I'm here. I'm in. I'm in Helsinki. Yeah, welcome. You. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you so much. I'm, it's great to be here. Who are you, and and what are you doing to save the world? Well, like like, like you said, I'm Rudy. I'm the co-founder and CEO of a startup called Block. What B L O B L O K. Right. Yeah. Drop the C out to make it more startupy. No, really, to, to sort of make it more more searchable on Google. What we're actually trying to do is is to automate real estate sales. That's what we're concentrating on. And we're sort of approaching that from the point of view of the customer. So we're actually trying to make the customer experience of selling your apartment better. And and we believe that that can be done by, done with technology. If you sort of imagine back when back to a time when we didn't have Uber, if you went to you know a random city somewhere in the world, you'd have to find out a local taxi number, call a local taxi company, and then order a taxi through that. And with Uber, you just basically just press, you know, press a button on in an app, and you'll get a get a ride everywhere in the world. So, sort of that sort of betterment in in customer experience in in the housing market. Right. And uh, how's it going for you? It's been going quite well, to be honest. We actually just were in the in the newspapers yesterday in Kaupalehti, which is the biggest, uh, it's sort of the largest industry of uh, of Finland. And we had grown in 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 our second year of business. We had grown to be in in, in sort of very close range to the top players in our market in Finland. Wow. So last year, if if we sort of look at growth numbers, last year we grew um by about 10x um compared to compared to the year before. In terms of sort of numbers that actually make sense. In in the first year of business we sold 70 apartments. Which is really good because if you look at how traditional how ba- how sort of traditional <laughs> the, the housing market is, it's actually quite significant to be able to come up to 70 apartments. Uh, if you sort of just found a, a, a real estate agency at the corner of the street somewhere, if you were to sell 70 apartments in your first year, that would be really, really good. So 70 apartments in 2017, our first year, and then 700 apartments last year in, in 2018 sold. So something works here. There's something yeah. in this that works for the customer, obviously. Yes. What is that? I think for customers, there are, you know, there are a few things. Um, one if one is of course that it's all online, so you don't have to you know sit on a phone or visit 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 a realtor somewhere um, or any of that stuff. You can just do everything on your mobile phone or on your on your laptop. So that's one. The way we build it is that we've wanted to offer a very very high quality service at a very very low price. 
And we achieve that through automation. So we give most of that sort of tedious, repetitive tasks that you need to do as a real estate agent over to computers. And then we let the customer reap the benefits from the, from the cost savings that we get from that. So I think people like the sort of combination where, where they get a lot for very little. And then, you know, the, the sort of feedback that we get very often is that people can't believe how much value they got at, at, you know, that sort of price. So what is the business model? What's the price? It's the business model in itself is quite simple. Um, so we charge a success fee for sold apartments, like, you know, like a basic real estate agent would, but our success fee is 0.75% as compared to the, the normal number in Finland, which is, uh, or the average number in Finland, which is 3.65%. So we're considerably cheaper than anybody else on the market, but we offer, you know, photos done by professional photographers. We take 3D models of every single apartment. We advertise the apartment everywhere on all of the classified sites, Facebook and so on. And so you actually get everything that you'd get with a basic agent. The only difference is that you need to show the apartment yourself, which is where the big cost savings come for us because we don't need to hire a lot of agents to sort of stand around and open doors um, to people. Right. So I know in, at least in Sweden, there was a huge amount uh, or a huge uh, percentage of the money that went to the agency and not to the agent. Yeah. Is that the same That's, here? It's the same here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's sort of funny. The agent does the work and the, the agency actually reaps the benefits from it. Right. So yeah. you, so the, even the agents make more money off of your model then? It Basically, they would, yeah. I mean... Unless we, they own the agency. Yeah, exactly. But we... Uh, we actually do uh, have agents work for us, but you know those 700 apartments we sold last year, they were sold by basically three agents. So we're, you know, the the, the difference in efficiency is just you know mind blowing in that way. Right. Um, so so we don't need to have that many agents, but we you know the agents that we do have um, have quite a good. They are agents, not yeah, exactly uh, administrators. A- exactly. Plus they have you know. They don't need to worry about the, the sort of normal worry that you have as an agent is finding new objects to sell. We don't have that problem. We get objects in and they don't need to be hunting around for them. Right. Um, people find block themselves and then and, and use us. This sounds fantastic. Why don't we have this in Sweden? You will. <laughs> that's, uh, that's actually something that we're working on right now. Nordic expansion, that is. Yeah. Um, so, so we're actually looking to, to come to Sweden and, and hopefully the other Nordic countries very, very soon as well we do want to sort of change this everywhere in the world. The Nordics are actually a perfect place to start because we Nordic we Nordic people are, you know, technically I tend to say that we are at least five years ahead of our European counterparts. So, you know, people in Germany, France, Italy, so on, aren't technically as advanced as, as we are. You know, I can't even remember the last time I, I would have visited, you know, the tax office or, you know, my bank in person. Right. <laughs> I do everything through, through my mobile apps. Um, or, or internet apps, and that's not the case, really anywhere else. And it's it's you know it's a lot down to the fact that we have a a, a system for strong online identification, so you can use your bank ID to actually identify yourself online, mm-hmm. um, and that, that that doesn't exist outside the Nordics. And that's a big component in our our tool as well. So you basically you sign everything with your bank ID over all the offers, all the terms, all you know everything is signed with your bank ID, right? Which so- uh, which makes you know. All of the offers are real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is the problem. It has been a problem yeah, with yeah. people calling in. Yeah. This seems to be like a thread going through every interview that I'm doing. And it's that it's this search for efficiency. Yeah. 
this search for having people that are very competent in some field, could be medicine, could be whatever. Yeah. Do that and not, you know, just administrate everything away. I saw some yeah. number that like doctors are doing very little doctoring yeah. and a lot of yeah. administrating. Yeah. And the same is true for like every industry. Yeah. So you are a very clear example of this, obviously. And how, how do you think, if you look at that from like a societal point of view, who do you think stands most to uh, gain from that? Well, I think in the end, it's gonna, it's always gonna be the end user that sort of, you know, gets the benefit, reaps the benefits from that. So, you know, me as a patient, you know, the doctor can can sort of see more patients, which means which means that I have a short, shorter queue to get into the doctor's office. Um, in this case, the you know end user as well because they get a lower commission um, and still get you know a superior service. Um, and in you know in any other those, those sort of inefficient cases, it's it's always in my end my opinion it's the end user. It should be the end user as well that sort of reaps the benefits. I sort of personally personally sort of see that that's the place where the you know money has to go or the the sort of benefit has to go to. I'm I'm kind of traveling around. I'm yeah. I'm Swedish, you know, yeah. and uh, but I'm also I also feel like a citizen of the United States of the Nordics. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I am Swedish and I travel around. I'm, I'm trying to see like what is similar between all these countries. Yeah. And I think some of the things that you're mentioning, like there's some kind of digitalization, we're pretty far ahead and that kind of yeah. thing. That's similar. Yeah. And then we have our differences. And I, I think that one of the things that Finnish people seem to be so good at is efficiency. Yeah. There's something to that. Just, just you know, the, the Finland could have the tagline, just do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it would work great. And there's something to that that I think definitely think you're very very good at here and uh, do you think that kind of colors the the startup scene in uh, in finland as well it does in 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 good and bad i mean we're very very good at building very very good products very very quickly um the problem is that you know we sometimes aren't the best people to sell them um so i think in in, in sort of in terms of nordic collaboration it would you know I, I think the perfect startup probably has, you know, the technical team in Finland, the marketing in, in, in Sweden and the sales, maybe, I don't know, in Denmark or something like that, um, where you sort of, you know, have that perfect combination of these things. Um, some some other guests, another another one of my guests said, and the funding in Norway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's I, I was trying to think about what the Norwegians could do, but that's what they can. <laughs> that's what they're very very good at, at least. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not quite fair though. I just yeah. say, I mean, it's like it's not like you know they have the oil money, of course. Yeah, but I, the Norwegian people are fantastic in other ways. I haven't been to Norway yet. Yeah. Uh, when we record this, yeah. uh, but I really look forward to it. I yeah, no, I've I've been to Norway a few times, and the startup scene is it's it's picking up. You know, at last, you know, it's a few years behind what, you know, what's been happening in Stockholm and, and, and Helsinki, but that's sort of natural because, you know, there's being a place to go to. It's the same thing in Finland, you know, 10 years ago, we didn't have a startup scene because you could go to go and work at Nokia or right. go and work at, you know, any other big corporation. And then, you know, then the financial financial crisis hit and big corporations start, started laying off people and stopped hiring people. So you'd have to figure out something else to do. Right. Um, and um, And that sort of, you know, hasn't happened in uh, in Norway yet, but now people are sort of figuring out that they want to do something else in their lives than just real oil. Yeah, and I mean, we we have uh, we're recording this today at Epicenter in yeah. in Helsinki, and there's another Epicenter in one in Stockholm, obviously uh, yeah. the first one, and then there's a, another one in in Oslo, yeah. uh, which is uh, pretty far ahead and doing really well. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, 
Uh, I think that kind of thing is is also tying the Nordics together in some way. Yeah, and I I, I think in all of the Nordic countries, what um, what in my 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 view has sort of worked quite well has been that there is a sort of community that you can go to in each city. You can find people that are very very connected in that city to to sort of all of the other people in that city. Um, yeah. So you know, if I was go I was to go to Stockholm, I'd sort of you know, I have a few numbers in my mind that I call up and then sort of check out with uh, if I'm if I'm looking for something. Right now, you have mine as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> so this is going quite well for you, obviously. And you're thinking about this Nordic expansion. Yeah. What What do you think so far has been like the the ma- most magical moment, the the moment that you're most proud of, where you felt like you know your eyes welled up and you were like, "I'm so great." I don't know if I've I don't know if I've even had that yet. I'm I'm the CEO, so I'm never happy. <laughs> <laughs> always worried. Exactly. Always worried and always always sort of, you know, always expecting more, always wanting more in a sense. Like I, I can't be, you know, sort of happy. I, I can be happy with stuff, but I can't be sort of content with, you know, the current sort of quo of the company. I, I need to be striving for something more. But there are a few moments, of course. I mean, when we sold our first apartment. That was, of course, a very, very significant moment. And the whole founding team, we were still just the founding team at that moment, four people. And we were all online on our Slack, um, sort of following what's happening, you know. And then the system broke. <laughs> the The seller actually couldn't accept the offer. Um, and um, and I called her at sort of, I think it was like half past 10 in the evening. I called her and told her that we noticed that accept button didn't work. <laughs> uh, we'll fix it. And then I called through our, our, you know, our technical team and then we fixed it in, I think in like two or three minutes. And then she clicked on accept and the apartment sold. And it just, it was a great moment in, 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 in this ride. Um, and after that, of course, you know, when we got, got in the, you know, contract number 1000, when we sold the apartment 1000 and then and so on. Um, what I'm most proud of in, in, in context of, block though or what makes me the happiest about the product or the company is that like i said we we started with the with the goal of making the best possible customer experience in selling your apartment um and that's something that we've actually succeeded in really really well so we measure our customer happiness with um with nps which is sort of an industry standard um it's both good and bad, but if you take into account the bad stuff, you can actually make it work really well, really well for you, you yourself. And so far, our long-time NPS is at the moment over. It, it's uh, plus eighty-five. Wow! Which is, if you know NPS, plus Very eight. Good. Yeah, yeah. Plus eighty-five is, you know, phenomenal. I, I don't really know any other companies out there that have has an NPS that high. Right. And that is in a market where. You know the sort of average NPS, I think, is somewhere around minus forty. Yeah. <laughs> so we're truly outperforming the market here. Oh, you're, no, you're killing it. Yeah, um, and that's something that we really, really cherish and sort of want to keep going in the future as well. So we, you know, we put a lot, of, a lot of effort into making our customers happy, which I think is something that's in a, you know, in a, in a funny way, has actually been sort of missing in this scene as well. What are the best top? Three, I think three is what we can do here. The top three advice you would give to a new entrepreneur wanting to do what you do or start a company. Yeah, that's a good question. I've I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, actually, in the in the past months, we've been uh, we've been fundraising, which sucks. Um, fundraising is sort of, in my opinion, it's fun for the for the first few weeks, 
And after that, it just sort of gets tedious. Um, so, and I've sort of noticed that, um, you know, startup life is quite stressful. You have a lot of stuff going on. You need to fundraise, you need to hire, you know, you need to sometimes fire people. All of that stuff happens, at, you know, might happen at the same time and so on. So um, it definitely isn't a job for someone that's stressful, you know, stressed by nature. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm the sort of person that I don't really get stressed by anything. But even I get stressed when you I start up. I don't. Well, w- wait and see. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's the idea. Yeah. Maybe after kids, you can sort of, you know, be less stressed. Um, but I have, you know, I have these friends that get stressed about everything in their lives. Um, and I could never imagine, you know, if they started a startup, they'd be, you know, you know they'd be bur- in a burnout in six months. Um, yeah. Because it is, you know, it is intensive. It's more intensive than you can really imagine. So that's that's number one to sort of, you know, be chill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> try try and, and and then, you know, even if you're, you know, if you're even if you're stressing people, stress, stressing sort of type of personality and, you know, decide to just decide to start a startup, you know, it might be a good idea idea to to um get a therapist for example, someone that you can vent your troubles to if if you feel the need for that. I know a lot of my entrepreneurial friends um actually, you know, have um have therapists nowadays. Um which is, you know, it's a great way to sort of vent vent yourself. Yeah. Um, I tend to meditate, meditate a bit in the evenings before I go to bed. You know, it's not something that I do sort of religiously or, or you know, every single night. But if if I sort of feel the need to try to <laughs> empty my mind, which is something that is really, really hard to do as an entrepreneur, I, I meditate. So that's, you know, if you do become an entrepreneur, look into meditation because you do, you will need some way of getting your company out of your mind. And I haven't really found any other ways than meditation and then of course traveling somewhere where roaming doesn't work so (laughs) so you know when you as an entrepreneur when you go on holidays go to a country where you don't have roaming right um so that you have expensive roaming that's probably a bad idea actually exactly (laughs) expensive roaming is a bad idea because then you then you might end up buying it so go to a place where you know where it's crazy expensive or it doesn't work at all yeah um so i i spent last year i spent like two weeks in uh in the balkans sort of driving around in Montenegro and um, Serbia and oh, Macedonia and so on. Mm. Really beautiful places, um, but not a part of the EU, so no roaming. Right. Um, or there was roaming, but it costs like, I, I don't know, like 25 euros per megabyte or something totally nuts. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, of course, buy it. That way, I you know, I only had connections to the internet in the evening at, at the hotel yeah. um, if the Wi-Fi worked. It sort of allowed me to, to not think about the company right. for you know, a few hours per day, which I think is always, um, is always good. And I think, you know, my, I don't know, this is my third advice. I, I'd probably, you know, try to steer clear from fundraising. So try to find, try to, try to find a startup that doesn't need funding in the, you know, in the longer run, you might need to take in, you know, some sort of a pre-seed or whatever funding around so that you can pay yourself a salary for six months to a year when you sort of built the product and sort of start getting in money from the customers and so on. But after that, you know, try to build an actual business. Um, I've, I've noticed that uh, investors are more and more looking for uh, businesses that are actual businesses. So they want something that's actually making a revenue and actually sort of generating, you know, generating customers and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it's not the, the time of sort of Twitters and, and, and that sort of businesses where you, you know, build a huge customer base and then, then sort of figure out how, the, how, the, how they're going to pay you um, are gone in my yeah, it, it looks like they're gone. 
too high um, risk. It's too high risk, exactly. And I, I think many of the investors are, you know, they might be thinking that there's probably going to be an economic downturn at some point in the future, and they, you know, they don't don't want to be funding those sort of companies. Right. Um, we've been lucky in the sense that we do have actual revenue revenue from actual customers coming in every month. But even even for us, you know, fundraising hasn't been a piece of cake. Those three pieces of advice are great. Personally, I love meditation. I do not come into that either from like a you know, religious mm. way. I I totally come in from that from a pra- practical perspective yeah. because yeah. I can't focus on anything if I don't meditate. Yeah. So I really kind of second that. <laughs> yeah. Try that, people. And there's a lot of good apps for that as well. <laughs> <laughs> there's an app for that. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I use Headspace myself. Yeah, that was a plug. That was. I, I don't get paid by Headspace, <laughs> but I, I like the product. Yeah, it's a good product. I use the Waking Up app, the Sam Harris app. Yeah, but anyway, um, so where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and about Block? Well, I'm easy to find on LinkedIn. There aren't too many Rudys <laughs> in, in the world, and no other Rudy's Cogmans. I'm, you know, I'm on email Rudy at Block.ai. Very simple email. Um, always reachable in that. Um, but um, LinkedIn and, and, and email both work well. Right. So if you have a house to sell in Finland and soon in the other Nordic countries, call Rudy. Yep. So thank you so much, Rudy, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. This is a fantastic service. I will make sure I check it out when it comes to Sweden. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, I think you will love the ones we have in the pipeline for you. We have some truly amazing guests coming up. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast player to make sure you don't miss any of them. Also, we would love if you could help us rate this podcast on iTunes to help us spread the word. That makes a huge difference. I'm Walter Nesland, and I look forward to seeing you soon in the next episode of The Talk, a podcast about changing the world by Nordea private banking.